This is episode 15 of the Lumbar Trucking Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Glad you could be here. When I last left you off, I was in Levittown, Pennsylvania. I had gotten unloaded there. And then I headed over to Carteret, New Jersey. We drive by Edison there to pick up one of our belt loads. Talking belts for your trousers, not your car. Those go all the way back to my company's warehouse there in Gravit, Arkansas. But unlike my way out east, I made sure my way back out west did not involve the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I had taken the New Jersey Turnpike north up to 280, where you pick up Interstate 80, which will shoot you all the way across Pennsylvania into Ohio, where you snag 71, that rips you to Columbus. You get 70 there, head west all the way to the capital of the Midwest, St. Louis, roundabout on 44 west slashes you all the way across Missouri to Joplin, where you pick up I-49 South, brings me right back home to, to my second home of Gravit, Arkansas. From there, I dropped the trailer off, went back the next morning, snagged the empty. My next load was picking up at a Blue Buffalo plant. I picked up some pet food. That was headed out to Goodyear, Arizona. To get out there, you Get right back on 44 West. That links you up to Interstate 40 there in Oklahoma. You take 40 all the way across Oklahoma through Amarillo into New Mexico, into Arizona. And once you get to Flagstaff, you hop on 17 South, and that rips you all the way down to Phoenix. And Goodyear is just west of Phoenix. Goodyear's technically a new town. By new, I mean when you look at the traffic lights and the, the light poles that the traffic lights are on. It'll say Goodyear established 2008. And it's just always a funny concept thinking of a new town ever being invented. Being from the Northeast, there's no fucking new towns. If they weren't there in the 1600s, they're not going to be there today. That's just, <laughs> It's just cut and dry. They're never going to annex land from one town and turn it into another one. But out in Phoenix with such a growing population and a shit ton of desert, when your population's growing, you need more stuff. And to get more stuff, you need more infrastructure to receive said stuff. So you just annex some desert there west of Phoenix, called it Goodyear. They got developments, subdevelopments out there. Everything's brand new, strip malls, warehouses, every fast food and restaurant place you ever wanted. And But the best part about being a place like Goodyear with it being so new is it was built for trucks. So there's no tight turns. There's no narrow roads. There's no low overpass or bridges with weight limits. All the warehouses got football fields of room to do all your back maneuvers to get into any door. It's great. Easy in, easy out. From Goodyear, I was picking up a load in a small town called Miami, Arizona, which is on U.S. Route 60. So you hop on 10 east and you hop right off just east of Phoenix there onto U.S. 60. And it takes you through towns like Golden Canyon, Superior, Miami, Globe. And they're these small little western towns. They're almost like living museums. They almost don't seem like real. Um, just these like historic wild west Arizona looking towns. Yeah, I wish I could stop, but there's basically nowhere to park a truck. But the economy out there has a lot to do with mining and there's copper mines. And that's exactly where I was picking up was from a copper mill or plant in Miami. I have a whole bunch of spools of copper wire that are going all the way to McKinney, Texas, which is where I'm at now, recording from you live as I get unloaded. And from here, I'm going to shoot down 35 to Kyle, Texas. Yes, the town named after the name Kyle. 
just Kyle, Texas. I'm going to go to a Walmart, snag some self-checkouts, and then head home for the weekend. It's been a great three weeks out here. Got a lot of content out. Dropped an episode for you last week, some YouTube videos. Make sure to hit up the YouTube channel again, Lombard Trucking. Go like those videos. Ring that bell and hit subscribe. Drop me some comments. Let's get me circulating in the algorithm and get the bullshit out the algorithm. Let's keep social media waves clean. Let's keep the environment on there clean. If you don't want oil in our rivers, let's keep oil out of the social media, if you know what I'm talking about. And now that you're up to the same mile marker as me, I would I have a big announcement to make, and, and I would like to introduce you to my first sponsor of the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Keepers Only. Keepers Only is an eco-friendly and sustainable clothing brand out of New York. Guys, founder Derek Ciliota grew up spending his summers in Montauk, New York on the water and at the young age of five years old grew a deep passion for fishing. So much so that it inspired him to create this clothing brand today. With summer around the corner, you're going to want to get some of this apparel, guys. Hoodies, joggers, bucket hats, ball caps, and they're very cool, comfortable fishing shirts. And if you're a trucker like me, those fishing shirts will actually come in handy because where sunlight and UV rays are good for you, you're behind the wheel of a truck and in this windshield, it's like being in a permanent greenhouse. Protect yourself. Fishing shirts from Keepers Only. And for all of you out there, you got to go to keepersonly.co. And use promo code Lombard Trucking at checkout. That's keepersonly.co. And use promo code Lombard Trucking to get 15% off your order. And we are back. I want to thank you guys once again for listening. Without you, I would not have the opportunity to have a cool sponsor like Keepers Only. So thank you once again. What else has been going on? I've had a lot of people recently sending me yet another article. This one I think was from fucking Bloomberg. Oh, self-driving or robot trucks can replace 500,000 jobs in the United States. Here we go again. You know, this one was really funny because it was such clickbait. It presents itself as a fact piece when really it's just an op-ed. The first half of the article kind of goes into detail of the how and why we need to do this with the automation. And he quotes some... PhD cocksucker who's like, yeah, I've talked to a bunch of drivers and they agree that the the work done between the shipper and the receiver, you know, you can automate that. He's talking about the highway driving, you know, the the four or 500 miles you'll spend on I-40 or what have you, how you can automate that. And it talks about how because of the driver shortage and the slowing down of the supply chain and he, you know, it's just, he's laying out what everybody's been talking about and what I've talked about in the Rage Against the Machine episode. But then the second half of the article talks about how it's still basically impossible and improbable because of infrastructure, extreme weather conditions, and government authorization. So the infrastructure right there is a funny one because I was just talking about Goodyear, Arizona. Way different than driving around in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, or New York City, or Boston, or New Haven, Connecticut, or D.C. So you have to be addressing the infrastructure is, I think one of the hardest things you have to do because the algorithm and artificial intelligence you're going to have to make to maneuver that is very difficult. 
And it's if I was some sort of software developer developing AI, I'd be like, fuck this. I could do something way better with my time than try to figure this out. Because all you're doing is just working towards taking people out of a job. Then the extreme weather conditions. You think the supply chain's slow now? Wait till the computer can't move trucks for the next four to six hours per the advice of the National Weather Service because of thunderstorms, tornadoes in the area, or snowstorms. So right now they can only operate in perfect weather conditions. Like, are you kidding me? Like right there, you oh yeah, let's automate this, but it needs to be perfect outside. Hey, you're fired, but oh, this is only gonna work when the weather's perfect. And then, oh, and then also he talks about how, you know, states would have to authorize the use of robot trucks through through their interstates and their highways and state roads and this is my favorite part because you know the u.s government they can't agree on shit it's so hard to get things done that they'll just be arguing that till kingdom come so i'm a fan of that for once the government's inefficiencies could help keep robots and artificial intelligence out of trucking you know it's funny i was recently sent an email by a recruiter for this um, self-driving robot food delivery company. It's called Coco, C-O-C-O. And they're based in Austin. And the job was to be basically like a fleet supervisor of several amounts of these units. And the job description basically describes you as being like a manager for these carts that deliver food. So you're doing the pre-checks on them, make sure everything's working good, make sure the programming is all right. You're making sure they're in tip-top shape. If one of them has an issue when they go out, if they break down, you go out and fix it. Shit like that. Like I said, you're basically the, you're doing what a fleet manager would do for a bunch of trucks, I guess. You know, maintenance-wise, you're keeping up on the PMs, but you're doing it for these carts that deliver food. That's how much that job pays. It's a job that requires you to work 10 to 14 hour days, be on call, working constantly it seems like a grind pays you $45,000 a year as opposed to having a delivery driver who bought a car from a dealership paid taxes on that car puts fuel that has tax on that fuel so you have all these things that contribute to the economy instead you just want to be a cart where oh they'll just pay one guy 45 grand a year a shit salary it's just another fucking bullshit grinding job for a college grad to hate his life over or he's going nowhere in. You know, they're rolling this out over in Tennessee, I had read, over at UT in Knoxville. And you got kids stealing these things, throwing them downstairs, fucking with them, stealing the food. Wait till the self-driving trucks come around. Just like they had all that robbery with the trains out in California. Automate the supply chain. Take the driver out. People will be stealing all sorts of shit out of this stuff. Like, are you kidding me? Not to mention, I'm going to be the first motherfucker on the road to slash the tires, and I hope you're there to join me. People have no idea the, the economic impact, too. The state and federal government, you know how much revenue comes from just putting one truck on the road between registration, apportioned plates, if the fuel tax stuff, trailer registrations, heavy highway use tax. You have to pay all this shit to the federal and state government. They're going to want that, them, DOT, they're going to want that money back somehow. They can't. You can't just remove the money and then, oh, they'll make cuts because that's not how this government works. And not only that, you know what insurance companies are going to do? People think that self-driving trucks are going to make shit cheaper. Wait till the insurance companies figure out who they're going to charge for insurance. If I want to get a truck right now, 
for a first-time owner-operator under the age of 40, you're looking at a $20,000 a year policy. Okay, so who's going to insure the trucks when there's no more driver in them? They're just going to roll that right onto the shippers and receivers, the customers who are trading the products and selling them. They're going to, oh, you, someone needs to insure it in case something happens over the road. So they're going to charge them, and then in turn, they're going to roll it right back onto you. So any of those costs are just going to get rolled right back on the customer. So your cheaper goods and services getting moved is a fucking smoke and mirrors. All it benefits is the top 1%. The fucking CEOs, the Bezoses, the fucking billionaires. Those are the people with benefits. You, the fucking plebeians, it ain't helping us. It ain't doing dick for us. All it does is cause human suffering on the back end of eliminating jobs. So that's it. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm sure we will go come back to this topic as long as I keep this podcast going and as long as I'm trucking. We'll be coming back to it, so I'm just going to leave it there. I think I've talked too much on it. I wanted to end the podcast on a more positive note. I wanted to kind of, I wanted to post something like this on social media, but it's very difficult because the message and the words just get misunderstood. This, I believe, is the platform to share it on. But over the past few weeks and over the past few years, really, I've absorbed a lot of content regarding the Civil War, and I've learned so much intricate detail about uh, the leadership among different officers, the tactics on the battlefield, and harrowing stories and events from some of the more famous Civil War battles. And it's I think it's a very pivotal point in American and world history because I think the after effects of the Civil War and the United States emerging from it, if it emerges a different way, I think it changes the global landscape of things. But that's a different conversation. I think it's more pivotal than the American Revolution because the US, the American Revolution was inevitable given look how many other countries declared independence from Great Britain. But the Civil War was really uh, quite an interesting period of events. And the reason why I bring it up is because lately, if you go online or you talk to people, they, there's always this notion of, I've never seen it this bad. This country's never been this divided. I don't think I've ever seen it like this before, even people well into their 60s and 70s, people have lived through every event of the lyrics, We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. Even them are saying, I don't even know when it's ever been this bad. And then I take a step back and look, and I'm like, hmm. All right, I just saw videos from South by Southwest at concerts, 65,000 people at these concerts, however many people go there. Huh, I bet you... They all don't agree on everything, and they're from different parts of the country. They figured it out. I look at sporting events. Oh, how come they're not kicking the shit out of each other? You know, people come from all over there. So you look at the, you look at it from the re reality picture of just when you get off the internet. Because when you get off the internet, you just talk to your neighbors. You realize that hey, life is actually pretty good, and people are fucking great, and America's fucking awesome. All it takes is logging off the internet. But then you think, oh, it's never been this bad. Do you forget that the Civil War ever happened? At Shiloh, there was a portion of the battlefield called the Hornet's Nest. They called it that because there was so much metal flying that it that's what it must have sounded like to be inside of a Hornet's Nest. At Gettysburg, guys couldn't even go to sleep because the screams and groans of people not yet dead on the battlefield with their guts hanging out are fucking begging for their moms. 
at the Kennesaw Mountains during the Atlanta campaign, Sherman leads a frontal assault. A Confederate soldier describes the carnage so detailed. He mentions the 110-degree heat bearing down on their bald heads, the sparks and flames from musket fire singeing the hair on your body in uniform, men to his left and right throwing up from heat exhaustion as bullets fucking... 50 caliber lead bullets entered his friends to his left and right. Blood would squirt all over his face. At Antietam, Burnside leads three charges over a bridge. Finally, on the third one, he makes it over. Those men were staring at point-blank cannon fire. At Antietam alone, more Americans died than at Pearl Harbor, D-Day, and 9-11. Yes, we have been more divided, and we still came through it. Out of the carnage I just described, we emerged through it. We can emerge through whatever issues we have going on right now. It's just up to us to do it. And I want to leave you with how we came out of that division at the end of the Civil War. Robert E. Lee and Grant were at Appomattox. Grant was accompanied by his military secretary, General Eli Parker, a member of the Seneca tribe. During that event, Lee looked at Parker and said, at least there is one real American here among us. In which Parker replies, no, we are all Americans. So think about that as you go out through your day. I wanna thank you once again for listening. I appreciate you so much. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on all the social medias, Instagram and Twitter, Lombard Trucking. Be careful of the algorithm. Don't get sucked in. Make sure to hit up the YouTube channel, Lombard Trucking. Go subscribe. Like some of those videos. Drop a comment down below. Give me some of your feedback. If you or anyone you know is interested in getting their CDL, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I'd love to help you out and get out here over the road. And as always, if you ever want to talk, I'll be here.